Blog Talk Radio. Sunday evening, July 18th, 2021, and I'm Tanya Hathaway. I'm your host with Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your story is told on Marty Oakley's TS Radio Network and Stephen Burke's 89.9 KLR, I'm sorry, Stephen, KLRB FM, Lighthouse Christian Radio in Oklahoma and the surrounding areas. I'd like to start out once again by thank you, uh, Marty Oakley, for your tremendous platform and I know that you've been very busy because uh, you've got, uh, once again, a platform on um, at the annual Whistleblowers Summit. And sadly enough, it is not uh, going to be in person once again this year, but uh, you're busy putting that together. I encourage all of our listeners to take a look at ppjg.me, and that is Marty's uh, webpage. And... Uh, and also, you'll be able to follow any of the other shows that she is either hosting or uh, a co-host with and other hosts like me. There aren't a lot, but darn, the ones that are there are good because we're very, she's very, very careful about uh, who comes on her channel, her her show. We're about making a difference. We are about not just telling about the problems of a world inventing, but also, as you'll find out, how to solve problems and hopefully being a part of solving problems. And, uh, yeah, so that way you can jump on, see what Marty's all about, and uh, decide what, what uh, you want to get messages for or, or uh, bookmark that uh, and, and take a look at it when you have a chance, okay? Oh, we're not taking calls tonight, just so that you know, so we're not calls tonight uh, because there's just too much to get into and we're introducing um, a new series, uh, but it is it does not mean we're not continuing other series like the Lawton 4, for instance. The Lawton 4, uh, we shared everything there is to share at this moment, but right now I'm in the middle of, and I'm sure the Lawton 4 and their representatives are busy doing other things as well, but I'm in the middle of um, putting together a, a little bit of a table, a little bit of a chart, and I had to postpone a meeting um, that we've got, and we got to get to back together again and um, and present this as well as the first overlapping of this horrendous malfeasance by the, you know public bad actors that have um, three of the four wrongfully convicted completely, and one uh, that is certainly overcharged. None of them belong in prison right now. And let's also remember Julius Jones. Julius is Julius Jones, death row. He's on, you know, his, he is gaining momentum. He is, you know, uh, at stage two in his commutation, but he's been on death row for some time. He's a completely innocent man, as well as uh, 
Richard Glossop, Richard Glossop, uh, death row, once again, we don't deserve, we should, you know, I've struggled over this, but we don't, there's no, there should be no such thing as death row, okay? And, and I'll get, I won't even get into the religious end of it, okay? I'm going to get into the problem with why killed. We'll later find out to not be the one. And you know when this comes out a lot of times? It's like when every malfeasant hand that touched the case, when everyone dies. Now, that's not what it should be, right? Um, so we'll move on from there. But I also um, want to say thank you to Stephen Burke, 89.9 KLRB FM, Lighthouse Christian Radio, for your platform form there in Oklahoma and in the surrounding areas, not only for broadcasting uh, these shows Tuesdays and Sunday evenings, but as well for what you do on Saturday afternoons um, to your local community and, and, and reach out to, to them, Oklahoma and the surrounding areas, uh, that you've taken a whole other step and level um, and uh, time other than through um, this uh, national podcast as well to talk about the world today and the trouble that we're in and, uh, and to say things that might not be all that popular and you've stood up to it and you've won uh, and things that you don't normally hear on a Christian radio station, right, a non-for-profit. Well, he's doing it and everybody else needs to, uh, if they can, be a part of helping spread the word, helping you know, get to the truth of things and let's get our country back. Let's get our country back where it's going wrong. And um, I want to thank my mother in New Hampshire. Hi, Mom. It's great to know that you're there listening. I miss you and I love you and thank you for being you and the beautiful woman, amazing woman that you are. Okay, so, gosh, it is Sunday already, and it is the 18th, as I said. So tonight we are going to, I want to introduce something good that has gone on. All right, and it's great news because remember, once again, the show isn't just uh, an alternative show to vent and tell about the legitimate matters that are going on that are malfeasant, but there's also doing what it takes to solve problems and to motivate others to get involved, not just those uh, dealing with that area of public atrocities. Most people, many people that hear certain things will be like, no way, you know, the, the eyebrow goes up and sometimes it's justified. Well, it's always justified to have an immediate judgment, right? You've got to go deeper than that. It's like, no way, there's got to be more to it. Um, there's no way that this will happen. That's illegal. Well, no kidding, it's illegal. No kidding. Yes, it is illegal. And uh, just because people are put in positions to uphold uh, the law or to reinforce or to create, it doesn't mean it's, one, not constitutional, and number two, it doesn't mean that it's legal or that what they're doing is true and abiding by their vows, their oaths, their canons, whatever they are, and how about the Constitution, right? Okay, so what we also uh, believe in sharing going right. And tonight I'm excited to share with you that many have been following and many know over the last couple of years that Daryl Wiggins, who had gone in for his second um, phase in parole, and that's after, of course, going through the first phase just a couple months ago, okay, but it was his seventh time since his conviction and being in prison over, it was approximately 35 years, he's still there, but he won. 
Now, he, he didn't win. I shouldn't say that. The Pardon and Parole Board did the right thing. Um, so that means in Oklahoma that the Pardon and Parole Board found him fit, rightfully so, him ready to get a second chance at life. And everybody who follows the case knows the case, knows that he was incredibly overcharged. And the true people that were um, that had their hands on the man on the fateful night that he that he did die, and he'll never put his hands on this man. But going to the pardon parole board was not about defending his innocence or the charge, okay? Um, but it was about being released, okay? Uh, he won. He won. The pardon parole board has changed its form in um, in Oklahoma. Now the good thing is, the good thing is that you know I don't always favor everything that Governor Stitt does. Uh, but I, but I'm very, very pleased with his new appointees that he has put in. Okay, and the, it's changed. And there's a judge, Judge McCall, who, if, again, you follow this uh, show a lot, um, who was a judge on many cases in the past that he sat on and made um, yays or nays on, voted his yay or nay, and he has publicly said or had publicly said that he will never vote yay for somebody who is engaged in a violent crime. Mind you, there are vi- what, is, what is deemed a violent crime, and rightfully so, that's fine, okay? Uh, violent crime is, uh, is deemed a violent crime many times. It doesn't mean that you actually put your hands on anybody or, or took a bat to them and didn't put your hands on them. So it's nothing like that, okay? Um, but he was wrongfully charged, first of all. But that's here and there besides the point. The board is getting better by leaps and bounds. Judge McCall resigned about time. It is so about time. We've been yelling and screaming about that for a long time. And anyways, it was unanimous. And so he can, um, he'll shortly be home with his lovely wife. Governor Stitt had actually said if there's a unanimous vote, he will get right to it. So he is expected to sign that within a month. And he'll be home with his wife, with his father-in-law. And he has a home, he has a car, he's going to start working on, you know, regular work for compensation, remuneration, it's all lined up. Uh, but he's also uh, very passionate as he has been the model prisoner for many for uh, many decades after he got over his rebellion, being brought into the prison you know, or earning himself a place in prison uh, as a kid. Uh, he grew up, and, and like it's been more than two decades that he has been a model prisoner, mentored many, kept others out of trouble, and I am certain saved lives. So he's going to spend time doing that on the outside and try to reduce crimes to begin with, not to mention the recidivism that takes place. Okay, so um, he's all over that, uh, got an office all set up to do it. And we'll be hearing more from him once he is settled in. I'm really excited about meeting him in person because I'm going to have a chance to do that. Um, so, hooray, hooray. Uh, thank you, everybody, for your prayers. Thank you, everybody, for your support, for your letters of encouragement and support, the letters that you spent the time to write if you did and were able to. Um, on his behalf, things can work. Things can work. And this is sometimes why what I do, I keep repeating this shows with the same people 
because I'm not all about the numbers. I'm not about, okay, let's tell this story. Let's tell that story. Let's tell that story. Everybody deserves their voice to be heard and their story to be told. But we're looking for results too, okay? And if we don't stay with it, if we don't get public with it, the less it hear it, you know, things just don't change. So uh, thank you to everybody who was involved in this. And, um, and it was Daryl that had to do the work, the hard work, and he did it. And uh, also with um, the changes in the pardon and parole board that aren't just, you know, randomly stamping no, 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 because the prosecutor comes up and they will, uh, and they will oppose every single, every single one, that, pretty much, that goes in front of the pardon and parole board. Um, it's a prison for profit, okay? There are people who are deserving. Um, not to mention for a second chance, okay? I believe in law and order. I believe in due process. I don't believe that innocent people are overcharged uh, people should be in prison uh, for um, what they shouldn't be in for, and certainly not eating maggots, not getting beaten, and um, and not being in um, in very, very bad conditions that are unconstitutional for a constitutional right of a prisoner, too. So we'll move forward with that good note that he's a free man and he is going to be speaking on behalf of, um, of his situation. Helping others is the majority thing, helping others. Okay, um, and we're going to move on. I'm going to get James Treat on here very, very soon, uh, you know, so that he can update us with Calvin, Oklahoma, and more. And I'm excited to have him on because he's always an eloquent speaker, as you know, many of you know. Uh, he's, re- he's a retired level C uh, corporate executive. He also attended some law school, did not become a lawyer, but he sure knows what the heck he's talking about and doing. Uh, he is very clear with his thought and his process, and he is meticulous um, in, his, in what he shares and, and uh, what, he's going, what he goes forward with and what he is going for, forward with. But let's pay attention to our Constitution, yes, our Bill of Rights. How many do we think really know our Bill of Rights? You, you know, uh, what about the youth? What about what they're being taught today um, for those that are not teaching our history properly and uh, what our Constitution is really all about? Well, a friend of mine and I were talking about our due process rights the other day, and it was pretty in-depth. And went further than what I'm going to share with you um, with this thought uh, today um, within this introduction. Um, I know sometimes I can be Judge Judyish. I only wish I could be as good as her. And sometimes I'm a little bit more passionate. I think kind of today I'm a little bit of both. But I hope you're staying with me here. Uh, but how do you interpret what I'm about to say when describing our rights and our own our own property, which is our body and our personal property, uh, which includes the imposing and unjust laws where they are, okay? Again, we believe in law. I believe in law and order, but it has to be under the constitutional umbrella. Anything that isn't that, that's, that's a perversion of the Constitution, and it should be moot. And until we as the people make that moot, we're just hurting ourselves and we're letting other people control us. Because remember, who works for us? Those that are voted in, they're they're public servants, not to be disrespected unless they are disrespectable. Okay? Um, What does this mean to you? What does this mean to you? (sighs) When you're treated 
by public servants like a pimp is representing a prostitute. When you're treated like a pimp is representing a prostitute, think about that for a minute. Okay, James, I'm going to ask you to give me your idea on that. But let's remember before I have James come on. The fight for justice against corruption is never easy. It never has been, and it never will be. It exacts a toll on ourselves and our families, and especially on our children. In the end, I believe, as in my case, the price we pay is well worth holding on to our dignity. And that was Frank Serpico. Remember, New York City cop? Remember him? Frank Serpico. Look him up if you don't know who he is. Uh, tremendous man who, oh boy, he suffered. But again, the price that he paid was well worth holding on to his dignity. That's right. After James Street tonight, we are going to introduce a new series. Uh, again, it is not to replace the Lawton Four. We're going on with them too. You're going to hear about them and, we'll, and that continued series. But we're introducing a new series. Uh, and we're going to start out with this, server, with this series. Talk. Um, what happened in Ohio on this fateful day during, there was, a, it's called the Lucasville Riot. It is a riot that went on for, for days. And to this day, this happened in 1993, and to this day there are in, innocent people that are in prison and even on death row. Uh, what we're going to delve into Uh, We're going to introduce the Lucasville riot. We're going to talk a little bit about that, mostly about that tonight. But we're going to, uh, we're doing this because we are going to continue with a story about George Skatsis. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I'm sure that Angie Dent, who is speaking on his behalf, she is the family spokesperson. Oh, my gosh, has done a ton of work along with others on this matter. Um, and the private investigator who was going to come on, we're holding her off until this Tuesday, a follow-up, okay, and there will be more. Um, But we're going to talk about the Lucasville riot that happened in Ohio, that uh, there's been documentaries, there's all kinds of things about this, and and we're speaking on behalf of George, but we're going to talk about that riot and how it all ties in, okay? So now I'm happy to introduce to you James Treat, once again, uh, who has been on quite a bit, as well as a respected and welcome contributor uh, to other shows. How are you tonight, James? I'm doing fine. How about yourself? Great. It's uh, it's, it's great to get you back on. You know how much I, I, I love having you here. And um, and uh, Stephen, Stephen Burke, are you on with us tonight? I don't know if he uh, has himself on. Uh, he might not be muted. But Marty, if you can hear this, I'd love to unmute him um, if you if you can, because he might want to chime in here too, because as a as a witness to many things. But uh, Stephen, I mean uh, James. So Calvin, Oklahoma. If you want to do a, like a little bit of a recap on on Calvin. And, and, you know, we can talk about what's going on, you know, currently, what you're really focusing on. And I know that you recently had 
yet another death threat, threat with um, uh, with little follow-up. You know, a death threat, you would expect somebody to come and um, take a report right away. But, of course, El, El Chifo, <laughs> uh, Joe Chitwood, you know, took his darn sweet time and decided to come by a week later. Threat is reported, and a week later, a week later, the chief decides to get back in touch. Nobody else on behalf of that death threat, friends, remember this, understand this. Nobody else on behalf of that death threat, there wasn't a deputy chief, there wasn't a police officer, there was nobody else came to the assistance, and he's used to this, okay, of James Treat when he, his life was threatened. This is just a couple weeks ago. Imagine that. Just imagine that. Now, I also remember, and I know that, you know, I'm, I know I've asked you to recap, but I'm just saying things that you might not say. Keep in mind that two consecutive years in a row, you had property that was blown up within yards of your head, like your, your car, your truck was blown up, and there's propane tanks right around it. It was lit on fire and, and blown up. And nobody wanted to investigate that. And that's because, this is because James is an, an advocate, a whistleblower. He is bringing forth uh, corruption. And, uh, and it's a little town of good old boys and girls, and most of them are part of that club. It was very unpopular, unlike the town of Wetumpka, which James told me about and got involved in, and there was success because other people, you know, came front and center. Well, we can talk about that later, but I want to get into your your issues there. So two years in a row, you know, and you had, you've had death threats. You've had uh, people, like, coming on your property. Uh, nobody did anything about that. You've had all kinds of what would be considered violent crimes um, uh, done to you. And, and Essentially, there's not been justice on your behalf. Well, well, let's put it in perspective because there's an important preface to what you just stated about the latest event with Tony Baker. I have a protection order on a gentleman named Tony Baker for threatening to whip my ass, pardon the French, that's, that's uh, right, the, catch you me. do have that. Sorry, forgive me. You do have that one. Catch, okay. Catch me when I'm alone. Kill me when I'm by myself, blah, blah, blah. Got zero assistance from the local police chief. Didn't even want to really take the report. Took the report and did nothing with it. Didn't even turn it in to the DA. I had to go to a district judge and get a protection order outside the local police chief doing nothing and not willing or wanting to do anything because this gentleman is one of the good old boys. Well, having that protection order in place, this gentleman cannot approach you, cannot communicate, cannot harass, cannot intimidate, cannot even attempt to speak with you in any form, written, in person, or otherwise. 
And if you're in the same and little store together and he sees you, he's, he, it's his duty is, to, like, back is, up from you. He is and, to leave. And, and, right. He is to right. leave. And you don't put together scenarios like that where that would happen, correct? You got, no, you the situation. Nothing. Of course not. Well, he actually doesn't even live in the town. So mm-hmm. if anything happens, it's because he came to town. And we serendipitously just happened to run into one another. In this particular instance, I'm out on the public street talking to a friend about him having purchased another old car, and it's on his trailer, and we're looking at the car. Well, Tony Baker comes in from an opposite street, pulls into the only little store in town, walks some 80 feet, not, doesn't go into the store, immediately gets out of his vehicle shouting and screaming, walks 80 feet across the street and over to where we are. Okay, so when Thus, he gets out of his vehicle and he's shouting and screaming, is it your assumption, once you notice it, that he's shouting and screaming about you? Because after all, he oh, is walking towards you, correct? Okay. Yes, walking just, some right. 80 feet across the street at an angle totally opposite of where he would be going if he were going to the store. At that point, he's informed by myself, you're breaking the protection order, da-da-da-da-da. Anyway, skipping past that instance, he finally leaves. The person I'm talking to is astounded and says, that man is psychotic. I know you've told me what he's done in the past, but you can't describe he what he just did. Order. Right. Right. And this so is here you've got a witness. You've got a witness, so this is not hearsay, right? You've got a witness to right. it. Right. Well, there's several other people across the street that see this, but this gentleman well, that I'm talking to is within three or four feet of me, and Tony Baker gets within four or five feet of us. Right. I'm hoping that in our own proximity. Anybody who's listening, anybody who's listening now who, uh, who witnessed, um, you haven't already, you, you know, uh, the right thing to do is to write out a, um, a, a statement of truth uh, and have it notarized. Turn it into an affidavit as a, as a witness. Uh, the stuff needs to but, go forward. But uh, in this scenario, uh, my the person I'm speaking with turns to walk to go to the store. Tony Baker turns in the same instance after he's taken a few steps and says, you're a dead man, and then walks okay. off, goes to the store, comes back out to get in his car, and leaves. I had asked my the person I'm speaking to to call a sheriff while I was there, I, and he didn't have his phone. I reached my pocket, didn't have my phone, so I immediately went to my vehicle, got in it, stayed in it, called the sheriff's department. Mm-hmm. Sheriff's department says they will notify Joe Chitwood, the local police chief. I wait. Notorious Joe Chitwood. <laughs> some thirty who, minutes or more. During his working hours, uh, most of the time. Truth. And Go I ahead. called back some thirty minutes later after an initial call. Yes, we spoke to him. Blah 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 blah. He said he was not in the immediate area. He'd be a few minutes getting there. Yada yada yada. Well, called back an hour later. Joe Chitwood, I'm still sitting there. Joe Chitwood still hasn't showed up, hasn't contacted, hasn't texted, hasn't phoned, and he's got my phone number. I've left that with the sheriff's department. Now, 
she says the dispatch says well i've talked to him i've told him and he was supposed he said he would contact you now this is recorded he is a full-time police chief correct right and this is recorded on their dispatch i said well i haven't heard from him so after an hour and a half i left the scene and i thought i just need to go to the sheriff's department myself and fill out the report which it's Mm, 14, 15, 16 miles to where the sheriff's department is. So I drive to the sheriff's department, file the complaint, so on and so forth. From that point, it is over a week, or right at a week, before I'm contacted with someone that made a death threat, with someone that has broken a protection order because of a previous death threat. And still to date, what, some seven, eight, nine, nine or ten days later still, the witness has not been interviewed. I've not been interviewed. I was only contacted by text by the police chief to send him a copy of the protective order. I have not been interviewed not to the fact. He asked you to send him a copy of the protective order. So here Correct. he is. He's a chief police that normally isn't around the majority of the time. He is full time, um, and you're all wondering, like, well, why doesn't they, why don't they fire him? Well, if you, if you're new to the show, um, they won't fire him because of, of other reasons that we can get into a little bit. But you know, you don't you don't fire you know somebody who is when you're protecting got, each other um, from maltreatment. That's got more bad information on you than you got on him. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and these these are facts, people. These these are facts. Um, you sh- if you want to learn more, you should go to his uh, either Facebook page or web page. It's called Calvin Info, C A L V I N Info, CalvinInfo.com or Calvin Info uh, for Facebook. Um, but uh, you've done a great job. Tons and tons of information and proofs and, and whatnot. And it's amazing that anybody else or most people would have a nervous breakdown after everything that you've been through, but you stand strong. And um, and you know, and, but, and you, you certainly seem unshakable, even though I I am sure it shakes you, with everything you've been But when through. I was at the, but when I was at the sheriff's department, I actually did speak with the sheriff, and I said, unless something's done about Joe Chitwood, someone's going to get killed, and she just looked yeah. at me really strange. I said, and you know this, and I said I didn't come here specifically for the instance of the uh, protective order because I know you're just going to turn around and give that to Joe Chitwood. I came here to file a complaint on Joe Chitwood for dereliction of duty. And the sheriff says, well, cops cops don't investigate cops. I said, well, it's my understanding, though, that I am to report it to you and that you are supposed to pass it on to the appropriate authorities, be it the OSBI or whomever. And she says, well, we are directed to give those to the attorney general now. I said, okay. And she said, well, would you like for me to pass this on as a complaint? I said, absolutely. So there has been two more. You should also ask for that. I would think if you haven't already, you probably have, but ask for that correspondence that took place. You know, you want to see that that really took place. 
and I will follow up on that because there's been two more complaints filed directly against Joe Chitwood that are also requested to be sent to the Attorney General's office and what for are their election of duty. Uh, some of the same events. I'll, I'm going to reserve one of those for right now. Point Fair being, enough. it's not only the person's actions that's making these threats towards you, but it's also their state of mind. It's also the position they put you in when they confront you or attack you as to what your actions are going to be and then who's going to be accountable. In this instance, I'm carrying a gun, and I am very close to pulling the gun. But he's not carrying a gun, but he's went out of his way to come across the street. He's making threatening remarks, and yet by the police chief's non-action in times past, it has empowered this individual to continue doing this, and the sheriff's department turning the other cheek or turning their head, allowing him to continue to do this, and thus empowering him, the individual that he's threatening in harm's way, one way or the other, whether you... Get in a confrontation. You don't get in a confrontation. He doesn't hold his mental stability together. It's situations that ordinary people should not be put in. So, and are you not even ordinary people. Right Any now, person correct? should not be put in these type of environments, especially in so small towns. So let's talk to our listeners. Let our listeners know what makes Tony Baker so special that even though. He has uh, finally got an order of protection, you know, uh, so to stay away from you. What makes him so special that that he's getting a, a, away with this? Why? Well, why, uh, let me let me, and, and, let me and and let me add. Say, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, let me add this in. When I was at the sheriff's department, I said, and if you think Tony Baker, when you get a protection order, they're supposed to turn in all their weapons firearms and other weapons to the sheriff's department. And I notified the sheriff's department, I said, if you think Tony Baker has turned in all his weapons to you, all his guns, swords, and knives, you are mistaken because he has hundreds. Right. And the sheriff's reply was knives aren't in the protection order. Well, the protection order says the protection order says weapons. Last time I know, knew a weapon or a knife is considered a weapon, carry one to school if they don't tell a student that's not a weapon. Carry a sword to school and see if they don't classify that as a weapon. Anyway, I, it was just that. There's more people die from knives than guns, by the way. I recently saw that. I can't verify it because I didn't fact check it, but go ahead. But in answer to your question about who, Tony Baker is just someone that, just like the rest of them, grew up, raised here, born here, blah, blah, blah. He seems to own a little more property than the average person there, and so they think he's got a little bit bit of money. Right, and he's got a little bit of money, and he somehow is special. Right. Right, okay. Okay. Uh, nothing, Um, Nothing more, nothing less. But even what was more disturbing than Tony, well, not as more disturbing, but just as disturbing, is when you attend a public meeting, a town council meeting, and there's an item on the agenda 
that's discussing property owned by the town, and as an individual, I gave legal statutes saying what they could, couldn't do on behalf of preserving town assets. When we leave the building, another gentleman, I'm going to use that term lightly, a guy named Derek uh, Pace, tells me to mind my own business for commenting on public agenda items in a public meeting because it's adverse to what he's wanting the town to do, which is give him property. And then follows that up to say, you've been warned. Oh, boy. Well, what do you call that? Been warned. And this is discussing the protection, or I'm discussing the protection of town assets and what the town council has done in the past and what the state statutes are in regards to what they're talking about. Just so happens I was involved in a lawsuit that involved the exact same set of facts three years ago and won it twice. Mm Mm-hmm. But yet this person wanted the town to give him property to resolve an issue where he's got a house sitting on town property. It's surplus. It's been that way for 50 years. Just give me the property mm-hmm. so I can clear it up and I can get a mortgage on it. My goodness. <laughs> These are the workings wow. of a small town where buddy, right. buddy. Well, I, I was talking to I've been talking to somebody else from um, an area, I, and I won't bring it up right now. I, um, we'll see what we wind up wanting. They want to wind up doing with it. Um, that um, uh, they're they're dealing with a, a small town right now that uh, was running pretty well until um, um, uh, elderly uh, selectman that was the first selectman. Um, uh, passed away, you know, got sick and, and passed away. And, and it's kind of like, you know, there's uh, those that were, you know, engaged, it seems as though they were ready to pounce on the power and it's gone a real bad, a real bad way. Um, but the the difference is like with with you, you know, people are so afraid. They're so afraid to come forward, even though so many have from behind the scenes. There's very few, you know, there's, you know, Stephen Burke and a couple of others, and there are, there's plenty that have, like, been in touch with you and Stephen and myself behind the scenes. Like, uh, and, and, but, like, when you introduced me to the Wetumpka situation, they had, you know, a, um, a choir of, of, of backers. So we got this thing out there and, you know, People are busted, and, and, you know, things are rolling right along, and now they have the typical problems that a little city does. You, you know what I mean? Um, but Well, the message uh, to the audience is to stand up for what you know is right. Everybody knows right from wrong. Whether you know the law or you don't know the law, you've got plenty of people to ask for that. But when things just are right in front of your face and you know they're wrong, you know principally that can't be right. 
it doesn't matter whether these people lived here all their life. They're not entitled to anything. Entitlement is only what you have earned. And people need to stand up and say, no, enough is enough. We are not back in the early 1800s and ruled by fist and gun anymore. We are supposed to be a modern society, and if you have disagreements, that's why we have laws and that's why we have courts. But in this instance of Calvin and many, many others, they still think they can bully you. Don't let yourself be bullied. Right. Right. Like, I know that you've gone in. You've got, you know, to the town meetings and Stephen, and you've got recordings. Therefore, you have evidence. You know, it's not just what somebody writes in the notes or doesn't write in the notes, but you know, matter of fact, what's in the notes because you've got full recordings, and that's done a lot to to bring things forward. And I believe in the public forum, you've got every right to uh, to record um, a meeting like that, and and maybe unless it's a um, um, with with just the um, what do you call well, it? Oh, yeah. Let me give you an example. Just in the last meeting, in the last two council meetings, the town hasn't filed their financials for 10 years. They're minus, they've got over $5 million that's unaccounted for, but they're trying to put on this facade that they are doing the right thing. So they've actually supposedly prepared a budget here two months ago. They didn't approve that budget because it had flaws in it, and they were pointed out by myself in the meetings, and they were going to have to amend some things and bring it back for approval. Well, in this last meeting, they said that it was ready to be published. And people are not going to think this is a big deal, but they never formally had a written budget put before each of the town council members, examined, and passed. Didn't pass it. It didn't even go back before the council to be voted on. Yet they're going to put it out there, resolution, in a newspaper, and it's got flaws in it. It doesn't balance. It's just a bunch of humbo-jumbo numbers thrown together so that they can pretend like they have a budget. And let me give you an example. They had trash disposal in at a certain dollar figure and they were going to increase the revenues in the trash side by some fifty, forty thousand dollars and yet they didn't increase the disposal side of the budget. Why? Because it wouldn't balance. It wouldn't be zero. It would be negative. And that was only one simple, simple line item. But they'll tell everybody they got a budget but they didn't pass it. And this is the lack of transparency. They don't tell you where they're spending the money. We do have, by chance, kind of a a small, we'll see if it happens or not, the local newspaper in Holdenville, where the sheriff's office is 14, 15 miles away, has started publishing some things out of Holdenville and some things out of Wetumpka as to what the town council is spending money on and how much. And they've been contacted... No, no, it's the small newspaper. And they said they were going to start asking for Calvins. Well, we'll see, because they were also, the newspapers informed, we've got outstanding FOIA requests 
that are two, three, four years old that have never been responded to, even by attorneys, even by the right. attorney general's office. They've never responded to, and, and they've the suffered problem, no consequences. Uh, with the attorney general, who just stepped down, um, resigned, given all that. Um, that's another story. Uh, uh, but hopefully uh, there can be some investigations because there's a lot of uh, things that he has suppressed from coming out. And this has been on not my back in my back pocket, but on my side table because there's actually so, 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 so much. But let me ask you well, something, okay, for our listeners well, to know. For, I've got one. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to summarize real quick for the for the listeners. The current mayor – her mother was the treasurer for 20 years. Right. Well, the we're, current, we're going to have, uh, let me see, we've got a, half an hour, okay? So we don't have to cram this all, all okay? I want to up Right, but I was just going to say, uh, you know, I was going to say also the quote-unquote town administrator, supervisor, his father was involved with the town for 20 years. They're both involved currently to cover up where the money has been spent and not recorded for the town. The town hasn't okay. filed its financials with the state of Oklahoma for over 10 years. They don't even yeah. hold a charter. They don't even hold a municipality status. They're operating as a illegal enterprise. But they're trying to cover up and make it all go away where that 10 years of money went. If you take their current budget, it's over five million dollars. So, so, that, so that's hold on why the lack of transparency. Quick question: I want to dig deeper into that. Okay, I want sure. to dig deeper into that. But I want to ask one quick question for a couple of members, um, uh, for a couple of people in this town that are seeing anybody else. Getting a lot of. To get a line item, it's um, you know property or property. Okay, Tanya, you're now. you're breaking up. You're breaking up. I can't hear you. Oh, forgive me. I'm so sorry. Is that any better? That's better. Okay. How? What? What kind of advice do you have for uh, a couple of citizens that are also involved in? Well, it doesn't even matter because they can come forward. There's one citizen and one that comes. Uh, okay. If there's a citizen in a town, all right, that um, would like to get a line item on the agenda and is being refused, um, who also happens to work for the, the place that um, is in question that this person wants on the agenda, uh, legitimate concerns, and uh, and it's being refused, and the belief and understanding is it's being refused, and uh, there's other things that are going on that are very compelling, but it's uh, because there's um, a little hand dipping going on. Um, what's your advice to somebody that is being refused? Now, in my opinion, that's the denial of uh, the ability to, to do process freedom of speech. And, of course, there are certain um, things that you need to do in order to get something on um, the agenda. But when that's 
been done and uh it's not being noted it's not uh, not even uh, you know it's a very small group of people again it's a small town i mean it's bigger than the 200 you're in but it's still you know less than 2000 i believe um what's your advice to this person these people well this is going to be redundant in a way but each trustee select man, if that's a different form of government, or council person that's is, what it supposed is, to, is, is supposed to represent a ward or a section of the community that they represent. There are instances, like in Calvin, where they did away with all the wards and everybody's over every area. But in most areas, a select man or a council person or a trustee was elected elected by the small portion of people that they're supposed to represent in their district or ward. That person is required under their oath to represent that person in their ward to put the item on the agenda because any council person or select person, mayor or officer, can put the item on the agenda. If it's one that involves some impropriety, I would suggest going to your police officer, which is an officer of the corporation or supposed to be. He can put it on the agenda in an investigatory manner. The other roundabout way would be to get a citizen's petition to put the item on the agenda. That's been my, yep, that's been my suggestion. Mm-hmm. But you can go it's to people. your police chief and he can put it on the agenda as an officer of the corporation. Okay. Yeah, because there's a lot of bullying going on, you know, like um, the, the lead guy or girl, I'm not going to say who, I'm not going to imply a darn thing right now. Um, it, it basically is bullying the others you know, that are supposedly well, in charge. And, you know, but again, also, my, also, my, you, also, your treasurer is an elected official and is an officer of the corporation that can put right. an agenda item on the agenda. Right. And there's always the, um, there's always, remember, if you're a whistleblower uh, or if you want to be protected under the whistleblower, um, Protections Act, uh, you don't just say, hey, that's what I want to do, and all of a sudden spill it out. You need to actually get yourself protected uh, that way with uh, with an attorney that is that does that work. Um, if there's a bunch of malfeasance going on and they're hand-stiffing, and if you're proven to be telling the right thing and, and, you know, they win, you win, then you get a piece of that money back if there's money that is being siphoned. Then you get an award for that, Okay. Um, but again, uh, something that people can't just say, I want to be protected under the Whistleblowers Act and blah, blah, blah. That is a process. But uh, for me, I believe with this particular situation, uh, I think your advice about going to uh, the police officer is a great idea. And also, the, um, and also I think the, the petition would actually work in this case because I think that there's so few people that actually go to the town meetings that once they are made aware of it, uh, that this is going on, or if they hear that this is going on or could be going on, that they're going to want to know. 
if this is going on or not. Therefore, they would sign that petition and want to see that on the agenda. That's that's what I believe. So well, they, they would want that question cleared up right away. Just a little bit of participation by your community. Even in our small town, we've got a couple of new people that are going. And uh, the ta- town's looking at supposedly converting a church into a new town hall. And supposedly the the town administrator was the one putting together the bids that found that. Well, one particular person says, shouldn't we have an outsider do that? Oh, my gosh, you would have thought. I mean, they're ready to shoot, shoot, shoot her on site. But it's an obvious question. Okay, well, I want to get back to, all right, I just wanted to get that in. I want to get back to um, uh, Calvin in particular, and but you can attest to the fact that, you know, with, with, uh, with Tumka and everything that they went through, that um, the way that the people stood together, and there was opposing sides, uh, but uh, clearly uh, with Tumka won, and there was enough people uh, that went to work to, to get this um, – uh, mayor out who wound up being uh, charged and convicted with uh, pedophilia, bestiality, um, and, and not to mention many other crimes, and some are still being, wor- being worked on, you know, stealing, you, you know, um, theft, abuse of power, and all these things. So that was very successful. But the power of a community stepping up and stepping beside and for the truth is very important, or the not wanting the knowledge of the truth. So if, if you really don't know, if somebody really doesn't know, and it's alleged that something is happening, then they should stand right by you and demand, like in your instance, or, or, or by themselves as a citizen, uh, you know, uh, I want to find out where my taxes are going. Why, why is this transparent? Why is it that you don't have, the, you know, that you're not showing, you know, the, your financials for 10 years, right? So... Uh, but it's, but in your case, and I just want to let you know that I did have a discussion with somebody else uh, again on um, on and um, you know that there have been discussions going on and and, uh, and you don't know this person but um, but there's another one came you know it was about this particular thing was about Joe Shitwood and. Uh, He's, I, I, this is, and we've talked about it before again. I'm not sure if I ever brought it to air, but it's been alleged again that uh, Chitwood is, you know, doing drugs, that he's, you know, in his car, he's doing drugs, that he goes to parties, he's doing drugs, he's the town uh, to go party or to go deliver something or whatever it is. Um, and that, um, yeah, he's probably over there. So that's, that's another I'm not going to say the name of the person on the air right now, um, but I'm not going Tanya, you're breaking up yes. really bad. Oh, no. You're breaking up really bad. Yeah. Okay. Um, let me know. Oh, boy. Hold on. Let me see what I can do. Thank you, Marty. I don't know why this has been happening lately, so hold on. I'm just trying to change something with my settings here. Well, while you're doing that, this little town of Calvin. Yeah, talk in the meantime. 
please. In their in their last council meeting, they vote to buy a new trash truck. Do you know they never said how much money they were spending, how long it was financed for, who it was going to be financed by, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But they passed a resolution to buy a new trash truck without ever stating a dollar amount. Oh, boy. <clears throat> now, the first obvious question on that is if you're a council member is – where are the maintenance records for the other two trash trucks? Because guess what? They don't maintenance their trucks. They don't even do daily DOT logs with their trucks. They drive them till they break. One of the drivers thinks they're on the Indianapolis 500. The other drivers aren't even CDL certified. And that it, it's just a total pass a resolution to buy a new trash truck with tax dollars and never say how much they paid, what's the amortization schedule, or anything like that, but never mention anything else about competitive bids on where else they could have got a quote from. And you wonder why they haven't put their finances forth to the state of Oklahoma in 10 years. And this doesn't just happen in this one little small town. It happens across Smallville, America, day in and day out. And that's very, very true. Um, you know, in listening, and Tanya mentioned getting a reward for being a whistleblower what many states, the most recent, have done, and this has been going on on the federal level since day one. You think people get these big multi-million dollar rewards for the government recording, uh, recovering several millions of dollars more from abuse, fraud, and waste, and so on. But first, the attorneys take most of that. And secondly, the IRS comes in and will tax these people. It's like the final bitch slap. Um, they come in and tax these people into poverty. Uh, we had one gentleman in Alabama, mortician, who noticed that bodies that were coming into him were missing things like bones and tendon and things like that. And this had been going on a long time. He mentioned it to a friend who said, I got a friend at the FBI and you need to tell. So he went and told this man, and it wasn't until they filed suit against this owner of the mortuary that this man even knew there was a reward involved. The government recovered many millions of dollars. He was supposed to have gotten 1.4 to this day, has never seen a dime, um, has been taxed relentlessly over money he never received. Uh, and this is Maryland, like I say, was the last state to pass a state law, <coughs> excuse me, taxing whistleblowers. The last thing the government, whether it's the small town or big government, wants is a whistleblower. And all this talk about protecting them and we're passing laws and they got all these backdoor ways of absolutely ruining these people for doing it, for doing the right thing. Okay, understand are you that. that it's not worth it at all? Can you hear me better? A little I'm bit? not saying that. Yes, I'm not saying that, Tanya. I think we all should okay, do what I we know to be I, right. I, 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 right. So it needs yeah. to be researched first. Yeah. Yes. 
Yes, we all need to do what we know to be right because it benefits everyone in the long run. But unfortunately, they are doing everything they can behind the scenes to make this an untenable position for whistleblowers. Um, and like I say, most people don't oh, yeah, even that's know. That's a constant argument. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Don't even know that this award thing is if the government recovers money. Um is even available to them. But like I say, they don't, most times don't get a penny of it because either the attorneys take it and or the IRS takes it, either state or federal. But they're going to nail them one way or the other as a penalty for blowing the whistle. And um, I think it's disgraceful. I absolutely think it's disgraceful. What they do to these people who do whistleblowing and have dealt with so many oh, of these dangerous. cases also they they well, they retaliate and they torment and they i've seen families break up people go into severe depressions they'll go into their communities and badmouth them and press rumors about them uh they'll put out fake articles on the net they'll have people gaslight them and understand something it is the taxpayer who is footing the bill for all of this we are paying for every bit of that fraud waste and abuse and then paying for them to torment the person who blew the whistle on them. We're paying for all oh, yeah. of it. Uh, oh, definitely. No, no doubt about it. Whistleblowers have been murdered. You know, I mean, it's definitely a big decision to make. And, you know, James, look at what ha- what's happened with you. I, 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 it's in- incredible. And this is on a small-town level. You know, it's like how, how deep or how much are – people willing to do in order to remain, you know, corrupt and greedy, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. So there's always that thought process to put into it first, right, Marty? Well, the, the, what you've mentioned there about the compensation and, and that's only after it gets to a point of notoriety and it's got some attention and goes on. The long, long road before you get to that point is the, situation where the guilty parties want to pacify, 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 and let a long length of time go by so that everybody keeps forgetting, keeps forgetting. And then it goes away just out of attrition. But that's what we're not letting happening in Calvin. Someone's got to account for $5 million. It's public funds. Right. Even the audit inspector's office wanted to kind of whitewash it away. And I said, well, okay, whose name are you going to put on that report? What do you mean? I said, what legal entity are you going to put on your report when you rubber stamp it and say Calvin's okay? They're not a municipality. They're not a corporation. And they can't even operate a police department or a municipal court without being either. Once again, collecting money under a rouge of law, paying themselves, acting as an illegal enterprise, and you're going to somehow whitewash and say, well, they've been acting like it, they've been operating. Well, no, they're not. They didn't even file their, uh, they didn't even codify their ordinances which the audit and inspector's office has agreed with, that the town of Calvin's ordinances are not codified. But yet, 
Hmm. In the town council meetings, they're talking about recodifying their ordinances, just like they're in perfect harmony and parallel with the law, which they're not. I even brought this up to the new town attorney a year ago. He says, well, you know what that would do, don't you? And I said, well, it would mean that a group of citizens would have to get together, get a majority vote, take it to the county commissioners, solicit for a corporation, vote it in, start a new government. That's what it would take. That's what would have to happen. But in the interim, somebody's got to account for where the money has went. And he said, well, they're acting like they're a town. I said, does that make it legal? And then from there, he's never never been another word said. Mm-hmm. Wanting to pacify you, pacify you, pacify you, till it gets to that point to where someone might actually, you know, use the law against them, or not use the law, uh, actually enforce the law against them, and create a government that was beneficial for the people. But it all goes back mm-hmm. to your opening statement. You hear, yeah. we're a small town. We're doing the best we can. They're volunteering their time. They're, blo- they're doing you a favor. No. If you're not doing the job, if you don't know what you're doing, if you're not educated enough, or you don't have the experience to be doing it, you're doing everyone a disfavor. Step you, yeah, aside. you've heard that as an excuse, haven't you? I don't even get paid, or I, I don't, or I, I don't, or I don't deserve this. I hardly even get paid. Well, you're paying yourself quite enough, Missy or Mister. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Well, yeah. well this group of okay. this group so of people is in the room, and I believe Angie is uh, is uh, might be uh, waiting in the wings there. But we got a few more minutes. Uh, let's go about. Uh, you know, five or ten well, more minutes, group, and then we have Angie people. on. Uh, she's there. Uh, but the other elephant in the room is, okay, we've got this election. Now, that has been contested uh, because it. Uh, there are people that are, seem to be um, forcing themselves in position and continuing in, in those positions as if they are duly elected when those are in question. Uh, when it, and, the vote has not been certified. Is it voted? Right, correct, right. So this is, you know, something that is pending and has been for a couple months now, right? Correct. Okay. But if there was so, another point, uh, these people that are in control, you're talking about the compensation, these people that are in control have raised the water bill and the public utilities, public services on the town about five times in the last year and a half. Yet right. not a single but, but one my, of them, not point, a single. Hold on a second. But my point here is, the lengths that some will go to to continue the cover up and, you know, there's a good deal of nepotism in this small town that I was telling you about, okay? And, and that seems to be a, um, a common ground or denominator when it comes to, you know, this kind of, of uh, big stuff in a small town going on, and, you know, and, it, and it's works the same way in big cities too but just on different level but what the, you, you know there's nepotism okay and uh you know you've got the same people that are in office now uh one in particular that is trying to force her 
position there, uh, that it, she still remains in position until this is resolved or, or not. But what, what are the, it's like, what are they trying to cover up? Don't you think this is, uh, there's a reason why people go through great lengths to uh, insert themselves, even if they don't belong there. If you want to get into that a little bit deeper, um, I, I just, I, I knowing what we've already had on the show, what we've talked about, you know, the, the mayor and the nepotism there, um, uh, there's, there's people covering for each other and that will do just about anything to get there, including, you know, set uh, your, your uh, vehicle and, and other things on fire and, you know, uh, you, you know, uh, blow them up. And l- remember the parade? that they decided to have every Tuesdays because we were doing this show every Tuesday. They decided to have what they disguised as a parade. And it was a private, uh, there was a private group that was messaging it. And there was somebody who had shared that, right? And, and Joe Chitwood was a part of that group. And it was all about harassing you. There was no parade. It was about harassing you, being very loud, beeping horns and all this. Uh, the exact time that our show started that, you know, this show started and they knew it was going to be with you on. This, well, this is to the extent, but why is it that this person or these people need to stay in position so bad? Well, where's the money? Somebody's going to find well, out. Paula, it, it, it it's always a position of follow the money. Take the cemetery that's being run yeah. by a group of individuals. The town owns the property where the cemetery is. A separate group of individuals, not even associated with the town, collect donations, cash donations, with no set of books, no accounting for the money, and where does the money go? Town doesn't own the cemetery because they say they don't own it, but indeed they do by deed at the courthouse. And yet a non-affiliated group of people collect money, don't give receipts for the money, where does the money go? Where did the money so go from the outside water sales that they never wrote an invoice out of town hall when they sold water to the oil field? Where did that money go? We know where it went. Right. You know, how many different layers of silver linings are these people, people have collecting? Yeah. You know, you have a big issue with the trucks driving up and down Main Street, tearing up the road. It was a huge issue for several, several months on the town agenda, and then suddenly it disappeared. It's never been spoke of again. But yet there is solar panels on houses. There's new pickups. There's new cars. With your in and, a small and how much town. <laughs> Oh, they don't get paid anything for being on the council, but they're getting it in other ways. But that's why I started to say, well, I go about the water bill. They're raising the water bill on everyone, yet these group of people sitting up, they don't pay a water bill. That's their compensation that they're not supposed to be getting, but it's their compensation. Because they're not supposed to be getting any benefit derived. Oh, yeah. I mean, over the years, I mean, we've learned about all kinds of competence, you know, from using the town equipment to, you know, all, all this stuff, you know. And, I mean, there's some things that happen that, you know, aren't right, obviously, um, you know, but they happen. And it's, 
it's few and far between. A lot of people just they don't care. Oh, they deserve it. They're good. They work so hard. Let them let them use it for the day or or whatever. Right or wrong, okay. But but in the case of Calvin and some other you know small communities and big cities, um, it becomes an entitlement <laughs> to the ones that are the bad actors, and and that's very much what's going on in Calvin. It's looked at as an entitlement. It's a bullied. It's been bullied in. It's just been, you know, again, this is what it's been like for how long in Calvin. And then comes you. Then comes you, an educated, well-seasoned man who just really wants to mind his own business and came to town, you know, to settle settle, settle in after, you know, retiring, be near your father. And, and lo and behold, be near other family members, and lo and behold, you knew too much. You weren't going to let it pass by you, you offered your help, not even thinking there was any kind of malfeasance going on, you offered your help. And when that resistance to open up the books came into play, um, it, it just got worse and worse. And, uh, and so, yeah, you have, you have gone through a whistleblower's nightmare, uh, even though you don't work for the town, um, but you've been, you are the people, you represent the people, and they are the servants to the people. And yet they are not representing the best interests of um, the people, which will never include malfeasance, whether they are willing to go along with it or not. Well, they thought operating the trash truck illegally was just fine because they were picking up trash. Never mind the liability of a driver that has a DUI that's not CDL certified. And what if they're in a wreck? Right, it's not insured. Right, or they'll get they'll get sued personally, you know, because if if if, if, if you know they won't be covered because but it was meet. but it was all right until you got it all the way to the town attorney and backed him into the wall to say, are you going to allow them to continue to operate illegally with your knowledge? And it finally got to that point after the Oklahoma Highway Patrol basically said, are you going to make us come to town or are you going to take care of it? And good for you for doing that. Um, I'm glad the attorneys finally, you know, stepped up and, you know, and because unfortunately uh, there's a lot he is not stepping up for. And, you know, this is what happens uh, when you're dealing with a town like Calvin, Oklahoma, is, you know, they will hire a police chief who will, obey and who will you know who'll be complacent uh and and they they have something on each other you know they also do a great job of interviewing uh their town attorneys and find out a whole lot more about them and what they're willing to go along with and what they're not willing to go along with and i did not have a good feeling about and i still won't about any town attorney that 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 town hires uh, to do the right thing as long as the same representatives are in position. Uh, well, what because, about when? What about when they were challenged for impersonating a public officer? The town attorney didn't say a word, didn't speak up, and then suddenly he misses the following two council meetings. I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? What about when? I'm sorry. Cut out. Well, when it was brought up with the town attorney present that the current council was impersonating officers because they were not certified. Right. He didn't say a word, and then he missed the following two council meetings while they 
impersonated officers and still are impersonating officers. Right. So this is this is the problem. This is the problem. So, uh, yeah, and this is what I mean about so much not being followed up on. I, and, um, and, and, and kind of like on a final note from my end, until you can give your final note, and then I'm going to have Angie on to, uh, to get this new series rolling. Um, but we are going to follow up on this, of course, as well. Um, but, oh, shoot, what was my thought process that I was going to say? Yeah. So it, 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 it's those kinds of things that just go to show that, um, you know, like with the whole Delbert Hardin thing, you know, Delbert Hardin was the last chief of police. And this case in point, you know, pattern is that he was, you know, another one that never should have been hired. It wasn't out for, um, uh, it wasn't posted the way it was supposed to be. They did all their inner workings. And then, of course, he came along and they had to back up and do it the right way. Uh, but again, he was not a, a qualified uh, candidate. He had uh, plenty of uh, other court cases that would show that he was not a stable guy. He had been accused also. I don't know if he was convicted or not, but of of, uh, of uh, well, domestic battery. Uh, and he was an, an abuser in the town. He wound up being an abuser. Uh, and, and so it took... Um, him to his his wife or ex-wife i don't know what they're doing now to press charges against him for that to come out and for him to be fired and yet he himself leaves such a trail behind and we've got the same thing going on right now with uh, joe chitwood i'm not calling him an, uh, a um, a domestic abuser i'm not calling him that at all uh but uh but just what we do know about him um, and how he had grandstanded himself in the past, like in the Wetumpka, and he was fired there. And I believe it's because of the sheriff, you know, I mean, the ex-mayor and him uh, were two people that thought alike and that wanted to be in power. Now, I'm, again, I'm not calling him what the ex-mayor was as far as a pedophile or uh, somebody who engages in, engages in uh, bestiality. But, you know, you've got when there are two people that want to be in charge and are of that mindset, whether it's a narcissist, a sociopath or whatever, because I think there are a lot of narcs that are in position, but it doesn't mean they're bad people. I think it just means they they love to grandstand and, and they really do want to do the best, okay? I can accept that, but not when they're corrupt. So, um, you know, and this is what we're dealing with is people that have gotten themselves in so deep that they will fight so, so hard places. Um, and what's, what well, are your they, final thoughts? And, well, they don't want to verify. I mean, when the general public can verify verify that Delbert Hardin was fired from Halliburton for embezzlement, when the public can find out that he lied on his application and did not disclose prior law enforcement employment from which he was fired for lying about having held a certification that he didn't hold, well, my thing is I believe that they know who he is, um, and that's why they didn't verify, because they probably Under- knew these things about him. They, oh, they, we, found, we found the right guy for us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know? absolutely. Uh, but in the past, nobody would have ever challenged them and right. looked these things up. Right. And right. it would have slid right on by. 
Right. Well, because the initial thing is, and, uh, and unfortunately, we don't live in a world where we can always believe everything that's being told. And it wouldn't have, it, it involves your health and well-being. You better double check. You better use real fact checks. And um, and when you're paying taxes, even if you're paying rent, darn it, you want to know. You want the best things to happen that, um, on behalf of yourself and your town, and you want your rights to be there and uh, not stolen away from you by somebody who is supposed to be protecting you. Uh, so what are your final thoughts? And I'm going to introduce Angie, and we are going to get to talk about the Lucasville riot and uh, and move on to George. And, and we'll be following up with you. These are really uh, – we don't want to drop the ball on anything, and I know that everything takes a long time, but I appreciate you being on, and we'll keep having you on as a contributor uh, too. So thank you. What are your final thoughts? I would just encourage everyone, whether it's a, a community of 200 or whether it's a city of 5,000 or even your metropolitan areas, get involved in your local districts. But I would get involved with the community and the community uh, of which is supposed to provide you services and government oversight. Make sure your government officials are uh, subservient to you as a citizen. Uh, basically get involved and know what's going on in your local communities or your local wards or your local districts at a minimum. And speak up. And speak up when you see things that aren't right, when you see find things that are biased. Find when you see people who align with you, right, and, and, and become unified. Well, like-mindedness, I mean, there's not a lot to say. Either you're righteous or you're not righteous. You're either good or you're evil. I mean, are you those fine lines? And uh, you'll find common ground with people. Thank you very much, James. We appreciate you, your time, and uh, continued best of luck uh, because, uh, I mean, you're, you're doing a great job. You've helped a lot of people. And you continue to, and you have a lot of cheerleaders um, behind the scenes. Uh, but if you're one of those cheerleaders that's listening in tonight, um, Go have a conversation with with James, uh, and let's find out who else is uh, a cheerleader there, and let's unify, unify and uh, you know, and don't be afraid to be public if uh, if if you can, or make the decision to come forward because it's the only way it's going to go right. Thank you very much, James. You're welcome. Now um, we're, we're going to move on. We're going to move on to. Um, case that I've heard an awful lot about over the last six or nine months, and uh, and Angie Dent is with us now, and she has been very, very patient uh, with me and my responses and, and ability to, um, you know, open this up to uh, a series. And uh, my heart is near and dear to this situation with uh, George Scott's or Skates, and Angie will correct me in a second. I'm sure I, I need correcting because I said it more than one way. <laughs> so, um, but in order to uh, move on to that case uh, more, much more thoroughly, yep. we're going to talk about a well-known uh, matter uh, that took place in 1993, and it's just known throughout the country and really throughout the world. Um, and it's called, and, and if you as a listener are not aware of it, all you have to do is Google the Lucasville riot and you will find endless information about it. Now, we all know that when you Google something, just because something is written doesn't mean everything is accurate. 
Um, and but you but you will find out just by doing that um, just how big of a deal uh, this matter was and is as it still continues to this day. Uh, so I uh, I would like to introduce Angie Dent. Angie, how are you? Uh, Tanya, give me an area code on this because I'm having difficulty here. Oh, goodness. Okay, hold on a second. Um, the, her area code, hold on, I will look it up, is... Angie, can you message me if you're already in... Um... Uh, okay, it's 470. I don't have it. I have to blow this up. I think 970. No. Is that right, Angie? Message me. Nope. 970 is the area code. I don't. Yeah, I don't have it. 440. Forgive me. Oh, okay. Let's four, try four, this zero. one. Okay. And she <laughs> said she's on. Can you say something Hello? right now? Because I think you're muted. Yeah, there you go, Tanya. Something right now. <laughs> All right, great. And and please interrupt me, by the way, if I'm fading in and out, because I'll just move to another area, and like, like James did, you know, or continue talking, because... Okay. I want to make sure that I, I'm not distracting the show, and, and I want to keep our listeners here because they're very valuable to us. How are yes. you tonight? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, grateful that, uh, you know, the time has come and you stuck with me uh, being patient and um, and that you have shared as, as much as you have shared. And um, actually, if you want to, I, I, I watched uh, this podcast that uh, Angie was on, uh, along with her private investigator, that actually won't be meeting with us tonight for the listeners, because I had mentioned that, that she will be on uh, tonight. But we're going to wait until the following show, which will be on Tuesday, just two days from now, to have her on. But can you give the listeners the name of the podcast, and it's a visual as well, so that they can feel free to uh, – Look at that. But yeah, I was really impressed by um, the interviewer and the information on top That's of what, great. of course, you've already shared. Thank you. Are you talking about the one we just did? <clears throat> Excuse me, the one we just did? Yes. Okay. That's um, Free Me Podcast with um, Thomas Free Me. He's out of Florida. He's on YouTube. And mm-hmm. he does some amazing work, too. Um, I wanted to say something real quick with what James was saying, though. Accountability, public records requests. You can get all that information, anybody, on the public service. Right. Sorry, and if I just they don't, to that in. no, no, no. Please and thank you. Uh, yeah, um, and and that's true. That those are the, are the right. You're right. But when you have um, a little town like Calvin mm-hmm. that's refusing to give them, and then you bring that to the attention of the people that you go to that are supposed to help enforce that uh, and they, they still don't do it because it's such a little town that they just can't be bothered with it. You know, little town or large town, has... I, don't, I don't think it really matters, little town or large town, that you still have right. those who, who rebel and don't want to provide those records. And just like you both said, you have to speak up and not let them bully you. That's how we got everything we needed for George. We ended up with prosecutor notes. We ended up with federal public defender notes. We ended up with investigators notes, polygraphers um, results. I mean, you name it. We have everything, and it was because we stood up and wouldn't take no for an answer. We stood for our rights, and that's kind of what Lucasville was about. 
Right. That 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 really it that really is. Now, um, before we go on and we do, and we talk about Lucasville, um, if, if uh, let me see, we're going that extra half hour because tonight is a, a two-hour special because I really wanted to take the time to properly introduce this matter as well. The other couple things that you know the show was about today, which are important too, very important. Yes. Uh, so we're going to have a half an hour, uh, but before, and, and then again, we'll be on for the listeners to be able to follow up on this. Number one, the archive is available. If you're listening live stream, then this can be shared. You can listen again. You can uh, go back to the beginning if you missed part of it or whatever it is. And if you're falling asleep right now, let these be the last words that you hear. The archive will be available the same place that you're <laughs> listening now if it's live stream. Okay. So, um, what I wanted to know from you was number one, uh, how did you find out, you know, ab- about this case? And then, if you would read the statement um, from George, and, and then we're going to talk about uh, Luc- Lucasville, the riot, uh, because this okay. is something that, again, was very, very public, and it's still going on to this day. And as I look through things, I see there's a lot of updates. They're saying, oh, 25 oh, yeah. years ago, blah, blah, blah. You know, so it's very, very active to this yeah. day. And so we want to bring that to the attention of our listeners um, and uh, draw some compassion and passionate, passion where it belongs. Okay. Go ahead. Well, there's a, um, thank you very much. There's, there's oh, gag orders in place. Uh-huh. So we got to make that public that some things, you know, we can't talk about, some things we can because this is an ongoing case. You know, um, everyone is fighting their case still that is on death row and been charged. How I got into this is that the daughter of George Kate, and it's George Kate, me if I would help with some social media. So I started. I heard, I knew about the, we call it Lucasville Uprising. Um, I've heard about it. I lived in Ohio when it, when it happened, and I remember it. I've seen this man standing on the yard talking. I didn't understand at the time what significance and what role it would play in my life. Now, you know, 30 years later, now I speak to this person every day and have a relationship, you know, a great fondness of this person and professional. Um, that's how I got involved with it. Is Go ahead. I don't remember what the other question was. No, that's... Uh... Yeah, because sometimes our listeners want to know, and I and I know that um, for a fact because you and I had talked uh, prior to this case came to your attention, or that you even brought it up to me, anyways, or that I can remember that you were involved in advocacy um, prior to really taking this on, essentially full time. Right? Yes, yes, volunteering, yes, um, trying to make at least the state of Ohio the prisons accountable for treating people humanely, um, making sure the living conditions are at least where they should be and not subpar and mistreatment and abuse, making people accountable. So, yeah, that's what I did prior to being involved in this case. And then when I started with social media, I started reading the case and started seeing the wrongs and what the, uh, the offenders were fighting for. It wasn't helicopters to boost them out of here. You know, it wasn't a million dollars or a private island. It was 
um, good medical care or decent medical care, or medical care, you know, um, edible food, not three people in a one-person cell. Um, so you're making, started, you're making a difference. You have the inroads. You're making call. You've been able to make calls and provide people with services that otherwise not be able to get them. Now, obviously, if you had a magic wand, um, justice would be served um, in, yes. in all matter, you know. Uh, uh, but you have created a name for yourself without grandstanding by any means, like too many people uh-huh. do. Um, but you're, you're not here to grandstand. You don't get paid no. for this. Um, it, it's your, it is your, your passion. And, well, um, it, yeah, you know this has happened and you're able uh, to um, take the time, even though you don't make money off it. I'm sure you wouldn't mind, you, you know, being able to do it, you know, and, and have more resources available to you. But, um, yeah, so I just wanted to make that very clear um, uh, about my knowledge uh, of you. And, well, um and and you know you're taking this on because it's 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 a kind of a case that you really can't do anything else while you're no, working on such right. complex layers you are layers right. Right. yeah yes because it's okay. not just com- complex it's also political there's a lot of government agencies and officials that do not want to get involved um not to mention we won't lose it now i know but the original reason why george was even in prison so there's a lot right. of players in this. So it's and, very and, complex. Yes. Yeah. No, and that's the purpose. <laughs> that's the purpose why we are sharing um, Lucasville Riot, and and then we are going to you know move into um, the the situation that essentially George yeah. is in, and it's really a, a perfect storm, and it's. Uh, as an imperfect man that he admits he is not perfect, but no. but we know that he's honest. But that, why don't you go ahead and read that statement, and then let's talk about, uh, for those that don't know and those that do, uh, we'll still talk about it anyways and uh, bring some truth to things that are, are posed differently uh, in some documentaries. But why don't you go ahead and share the statement that is written by George, and if you want to let us know uh, if it's an older statement or, or fairly recent, whatever you want to do. Okay. Well, George, um, after we spoke today, you and I and Justice, um, I asked him to give me a statement of what he'd like to say. And for him, it was important to let everyone know, you know, that this was not a racial issue. This was a united front. So one day during the riot, it was 11 days, um, a, a black offender had come to him and said there was whites and blacks in the gymnasium getting ready to to go to war. They were going to fight. They were making it something more than it was. And, and they, this was during the riot? Just Yes, this was during the riot. Okay. So this uh, offender came to George and called him Big George. said, Big George, can you go down to the gymnasium? They're about to go to war. See what you can do. So George's theory was, okay, I'll go. I'll go see what I can do. It won't hurt. So he went down, and he looked at the room and um, said, this is no time for you to call me a honky, and it's no time for me to call you the N-word. If you have differences, you settle them at another time. 
If the blue shirts come in, they are going to kill everything in sight. This is not a racial issue. We are here together. And they listened. They listened to them. There was no fight. Um, everybody kind of went off into their own groups and did accordingly. And George had a very, very positive influence in this. You know, they, they respected him. He's already 10 years he into his time. He a huge bloody mess. <laughs> yes. He, not, only, not only a bloody mess of the offenders killing each other, you know, it, it, it's the, the guards and everything that even happened when everything happened started who he saved. You know, people focus on, well, he's, he's a killer. Well, he's not, number one. And number two, he saved lives. Literally, he is not a killer. Literally, I want our listeners to know this, and they're going to learn more about why, and they're going to learn what has been suppressed. He is not a killer, literally. No, he's sorry. not. No, no, that's okay. Just like you said, you know, we all make choices in our lives, and we all we all have done something in our lives that caused us to maybe get in a little bit of trouble or been lucky enough to not. So it's just by a little bit of luck. And he's right. no different, you know, and he was in prison and he's trying to save his life. And he, anyone that you would talk to about George, including offenders, he, they would say he was a good guy. He never bothered you. He, he was one that would take the youngsters under his wing and try to help them. I've, yeah, I've heard protector. Yes, he was a protector. He uh, was a peacemaker. Yeah, um, yeah. We, we call him a peacemaker a lot. He's very stand-up. He lives very proud man. He lives by, um, he calls it convict code. You know, um, for example, being there where he's at, counts of aggravated murder, and two of the individual offenders that actually committed the murders they confessed to it. They came forward, and they're out of prison now, and George is on death row. George didn't do it. Okay. George didn't order and, it. you know, so for any listeners that, you know, are here, that they, you've heard something similar to this before in regard to um, somebody who's been a mentor um, and, you know, a problem solver and a diffuser of problems and, and taking people under your wings. And, and that's Daryl Wiggins, who, again, he'll be released in a matter of uh, probably within the month. Um, so I just want to, to reiterate, you know, this is, again, you know, I don't share every matter that comes forward to me, and it doesn't mean because they're not um, valid and true. It's just because I try to keep on a few things at, at, a, at a time. I mean, we're so way back mm-hmm. up, but, but you know, we have a man on death row, you know, like Richard Glossop, uh, yeah. like uh, uh, Julius Jones. Uh, you know, we've got other people that may as well be on death row, like Daniel Holtzclaw, who's serving lifetimes of, uh, of uh, uh, multiple lifetimes uh, that uh, are innocent. Okay, that are innocent. And um, has George ever broken the law before? Yeah, sure. But I look look yourself honest in the eye and ask yourself if, if you've ever, you know, broken the law before. Uh, a lot of people just don't ca- get caught. Okay, but George right. can look himself in the mirror and he knows he's never killed somebody. 
And I bet you can look yourself in the mirror and know you've have never killed somebody unless you have. So imagine, just imagine being charged with these kinds of things and getting death row. With the family and the five-year-old son, well, he was a little bit older at that time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he skirts of life, you know, of society, but that's where he was accepted. He, you know, he was raised by, by the streets, kind of. That's where he learned how to survive. He, he told me it, that. Uh, um, absolutely. He told me that he learned at a very young age that his hands were his best friend, because he was bullied, and he had to defend himself, not only by schoolmates but by family too. He had a really rough time, and by no means are we trying to say, well, he had a, you know, he was abused, and this is why he's doing what he's, no, not at all. Right, right, right. We don't excuse that, right. And we're not going to all. get more into his his personal life, because I think it's, I think it's nice to share some backdrop of, of yeah. that. Like, we know that Daryl Wiggins came from the projects, okay? Um, so everybody, you know, when you do get into the backdrop, you can understand things a little bit more. But mm-hmm. but the interesting thing is, you know, the the point is here that you know he's he is he is not guilty of this. And I want to talk about for the pretty much for the remainder of the show because we only have uh, we have geez, just like fifteen minutes. I want to talk about you know uh, the 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 Lucasville riots and the premise behind why it began. Uh, also, the fact that George knew nothing of this riot taking place until it actually right. took place. All right. As with many others uh, that right. were in right. there. Okay. All right. So, it, so this, this took place on um, Easter Day, April 11th, yep. April 11th 1993. And now Lucasville is a very small town, correct? Yes. And what what is yes, it now? I... It's still a small town. Um, it's the good old boys, just like James and you were talking earlier. Small little country towns. Um, good old boys cover each other. But what's nice is it's been so long that now it's it's um, not the original players, you know, as far as the authority. You've got new eyes on things. You've got new blood. And, that's and that good. is a blessing. The terrible yeah. thing is that it's been so long. But sometimes it pay, takes those engaged to die. Yes. And they'll longer be around because they'll do the best that they can do to cover things up as long it's as they're alive. It's amazing how they do that. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> and, so let's and, talk. And how real that is. How real that oh, is. Oh, it's very real. It It is very, very real. Um, like we have people that have, you know, uh, they go down in history after they have died for uh, the many lives that they're they, they're responsible for due to their malfeasance, uh, it's right. crazy. You know, we got Bob Macy, we got Joyce uh, Gilchrist, all, people that can be looked up and had every bit to do with um, their lives in prison or their potentially their uh, their deaths uh, given the death row sentences. And I just don't know how people can actually live with themselves. Yeah. But um, it's not a fluke. Uh, it's not the first time it's happened, and it's not going to be the last, but let's do what we can as 
educated, enlightened, willing to learn and listening uh, people that are the people that actually appoint or vote in others that are supposed to do right by justice, by our Constitution, and that trumps all. So um, what what is it that – what is the reason for the Lucasville riot, according to those that put it together? Well, there was 21 points to it, actually. Um, The – there was a new warden by the name of Tate that was um, of the facility and he was implementing a lot of new rules and um, just really rising the tension, really putting tension out there between the the offenders. And there was one person cells, three beds in in one person cells, um, you know, into medical care. So it started with um, my understanding in this public record, that Arthur Tate was going to force some testing on a particular group of people. And they, it was against their religion, and, and they, were, they were refusing. They didn't want it. Um, so, and like I said, this is public record. So, um, Yeah, I saw that in the documentary that you told me about. Now, what is the name about that documentary? And I shared that with uh, people on a preview for the show. What was the was name of captive? that? Oh, was it captive? captive? Yes. Captive, yes. Thank you. Oh, mm-hmm. sure. Um, so George knew nothing of it, and you know, the 21 points were medical care. They needed medical care. There were people in there that had diabetes or high blood pressure and wasn't being treated, or psychiatric care. Um, to be free, to be, I'm sorry, to be able to speak to the press, um, to have just humane treatment. If you go on Lucasville Amnesty, it has the 21-point document on there, and they go into pretty much detail as to what started. And what is is it that you're telling our listeners if you go on to? Lucasville Amnesty, if you Google that, or if you go on to um, georgescapes.wix site, or justiceforgeorge.org. We've got all the information mm-hmm. on all those pages um, from okay. trial transcripts to um, inmate testimony to, you know, the, who were the snitches. Right. So I, so I want our listeners to know that there are many, many resources um, to go and learn more as we go through um, this uh, series with you. Yes. Uh, that there are many resources. This isn't out of nowhere. It is uh, well documented. And again, there are certain things that uh, that are um, sealed, and that right. um, and and there's gags going on. So there are yes, five the one different. Thing, sorry, the one thing there are, that there are I five people totally that are on death row, right? Okay, go ahead. Right. No, go ahead. The gag order saying, doesn't this, only... What we're only going to talk about here is George's case okay as right. far as when we're talking about him as an individual uh because you know we cannot speak for somebody else um you know they all have their own cases and i'm not saying that they conflict each other at all i'm just saying that we there's you know that you just don't talk on behalf of anybody else. your assessment is uh 
And uh, but we're talking about, and you can't speak for somebody else and what they did and why they're free to do those different attorneys for each each one of them, and God bless them all. Because uh, right. they all wish each other well, and um, so I just want to make that clear. Um, Thank you. No, that's 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 fine. I, I just want to. Okay, so. Uh, I'd like to know what so, you thought, did, or what did you your think it was a TV thing? With the um, gag sorry. order, I wanted to get your thought on this. With the the gag order, you know, there was a federal judge that put a gag order on the public defenders on anyone that they could place it on. That there's a lot of the aspects of this case that is not allowed to be discussed. That to the point of George has not allowed his own discovery in this case. Right. Right, and, and that's that, crazy. That's, that's, that's an infringement on his due process rights. Yes. How do you defend yourself when you don't have all the material and all the evidence, or lack of evidence? And, and that's you know, and who and how many other people have been denied that? So there's a, so so that again, that's something that needs to be um, made right. You know, just as perjury when uh, when you have. Uh, misrepresentation, uh, purposeful misrepresentations, in order to uh, influence a decision, uh, whether you're a prosecutor, an investigator, a police officer, or a one or a private citizen, that's perjury. So why have that law in place unless unless you're actually going to prosecute when it has been charged and found to be true? So okay. Um, so do you feel that regarding the riot that it was those uh, TB shots that pushed things over the edge? Because I know in the in that documentary, it was you. It really seemed that that was the final straw, and uh, and that's a religious thing, and uh, for a, a segment of people, and that that's when they started planning uh, this riot, and knowing that on Easter Day. It, there would be a skeletal clue, uh, crew at the prison, which I think is nuts, you know, because that's a hello. <laughs> yeah. But that's well, how it was. Yeah, it was. So do um, you... I don't know when the planning began. On the documentary, on the one that I watched on uh, Netflix, there was a man that worked in the offices, um, an inmate right. that worked in the offices, and he had overheard some talk about a skeleton crew and what, the warden had planned to do when they returned back from the Easter holiday. So I don't know if, it, if that was it, if that was that may have been the final straw. By the way that the documentaries show, that's what it appears to be. But then there's other writings that say it's because of other issues. But most of them you see is because of the religious issues. However, I'm not that spiritual that there, so I can't say for sure. I can only say what is on the documentary right sure. now. Anyway. And there's, you know, fair enough. There's probably lots of reasons, um, you, you know, that just That's brewed together, and it was like, okay, this is this is happening for those that were making it happen. Again, there was only a select few. There was a group that uh, planned this um, to happen. So. Again, back to okay. So back to the um, the riot. Um, 
you know, part of the there was an underground tunnel, correct? Well, yes. Uh, I wanted to say too that they were only allowed to call home once, once, once a year, prior to the riot. So that was another reason. I, you know, tensions were rising. How many times a year? Once a year, one time a year. And if they missed that call, sorry about your luck. You try it again next year. They could only year, call home once a year. Once a year. Um, <gasps> they, they, I didn't. And there that. was no accountability. The warden, they, from what you probably saw too on the documentary, they referred to him as um, King King Arthur because he was such a dictator. I don't, I don't know. Again, right, I'm just going by the documentary. I've never met him, um, but it, that spoke loudly. Tensions are already high. You know, there, you've got innocent people in there. You've got guilty people. You've got angry people. You've got people with chips and on their shoulders. I'm losing you. I'm sorry. We lost her, I think. There you go. Oh. Did we lose her? No, I'm here. We were losing. Okay. Yeah, she's there. We were losing you. <laughs> oh, goodness. I'm sorry. Let me try to straighten that out again. Key. Okay. All right. I have to keep resetting my settings. I just don't understand why this has been happening lately. I'll have to move to another place So when it comes to the show, like, out of this building, out of this house. <laughs> um, so I, I apologize for that. Um, okay. So, so again, m- uh, many people did not know, the majority of people did not know, it was a small fraction of people that were, were planning this riot to happen. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, and we also know that in his statement, and I'd heard that before, um, you know, uh, but he just pretty much updated it for the show. So that was really good of him, and that's phenomenal that you have that kind of quick access to him. It's, it says so much, you know. You know, you um, and that's what I tell George. George, George, is not a very, George is not a bitter man, uh, right. even though the wrong has been done to him. He's 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 upset. Sure, his life. He's he's 75 years old. He's been in prison for 39 years. He was 36 before he was sent to prison. And I want our listeners to know that we're also planning on um, I'm planning on having an interview with him that we'll be able to uh, share with you too. So um, and yeah, so we're going through the request. And that's something, once again, that you fought for that has brought more access um, to him and other inmates, correct? Because right. people were well, being denied. Because of the riot. ACLU um, got involved too, right? Yes. The, those five guys in particular that you mentioned were being denied access to the media. Um, although there were other people that were convicted of very similar or the same crime, um, same sentences, but they were not being denied access to media. So the ACLU got involved, and it was around 2012-2013 that they had sued the Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Corrections, the five guys, ACLU, and um, they won because they were violating the First and Fourteenth Amendment rights. And that they're still doing. Um, They're they're still still not allowing it. Right. Yeah, I've had to fight for eight months just for a telephone interview. And the runaround that they gave, oh, wow. 
if I could even go through that timeline with you someday, it, it's a, it, you have to fight hard for what you believe in. You have to fight hard. You're right. And it's, and it's in writing. It's not unconstitutional because not all things that are in writing that are deemed to be law are, are constitutional. But this is the constitutional right. And remember, we also have God-given rights. Okay? Um, so we so, – so that's – I'm just – basically, I'm letting you – it's not going to take me that amount of time, and that's thanks to the ACLU and then Angie and others that have said, hey, look, you won this. You lost this rodeo. We won it. Uh, it needs to be enforced, <laughs> essentially. Correct? Right. Yes. Yes. What I do know is that George, George is not allowed to actually speak about what we're speaking about tonight, and that's one of the reasons why we're sharing the Lucasville riot. So uh, we're able to speak on why he was in prison to begin with, but he, but it's been understood that uh, he will be denied an interview, that I would be denied an interview or anybody else that goes to interview him if he speaks about the Lucasville riot. So, yes, um, so even though – go ahead. That came from Warden Shoup. He's the warden of Chillicothe okay. Correctional. Okay. So, um, well, this did fly by, and we only have about a minute and a half, I believe. So so where we're going to pick up on Tuesday uh, at 8, uh, forgive me, at 8.30 Eastern Time, 7.30 Central, uh, 6.30 uh, Mountain, and then down to the Pacific, is we're going to pick back up on the on a Lucasville riot and then we're going to get into we're going to get into talking about George about George specifically about his case specifically and joining us will be somebody that um you have gained her uh support because you've done so so much work uh, uh, and provide it to her. And what is her name, please? She's a private investigator and a paralegal, and she's going for a master's, I believe, in criminal law. Yes, she's amazing. It's Connie Mayhew. Um, she's out of Colorado. You know, I've never met her face-to-face, but we've spoke a lot. And we spoke a lot through video chat, and she's amazing. She's been a great confidant and a good source and um, okay. very intelligent lady. Uh, I've got to cut you off there. This flew by. I'm glad you were able to make it on with us tonight. And uh, I look forward to Tuesday night, and I'm sure our listeners do too. Um, So I want to thank you very much, just very much, and I want to thank and all our um, rock stars and standing up for our our constitutional rights. So please continue to join us uh, regarding this series. Again, uh, Lawton 4 is also being followed up on. I want to thank all of our listeners, and I encourage you uh, to go to me and look at the other shows that are going on. But please jump on and uh, bookmark this, uh, this show, this series, so you don't miss a thing. We appreciate your love, your support, and um, and I want to thank again Marty Oakley, TS Radio, 
Uh, and and Stephen Burke as always, 89.9 KLRBFM, Lighthouse Christian Radio. I'm Tanya Hathaway, and I'm your host. God bless, and good night.